You're listening to a podcast from Burley Heads Church of Christ, from Burley Heads on the Gold Coast. And what that means, I've just been taking inspiration, obviously from the Bible, from the Christmas story, but been taking inspiration from Christmas movies. Uh, Because Christmas movies, like any art, they are sometimes like a cultural parable. They tell us something about what people want, what people long for. Google's talking to me, so turn that off. So, See you, Google. I'm the only one that's allowed to turn that off, by the way. That's a little rule here because we have that turned off and our internet doesn't work, but I'm allowed, so that's all right. So, um, anyway, I digress. Cultural's parables, movies that speak into what culture is looking for, what they long for, what they miss, and Christmas shows us a little bit of that. Now, I've done this the last three or four years, Christmas movies, and there's been one thing said to me more than any other thing in the last three to four years around Christmas. Overwhelmingly, one thing's been said to me, above anything else. When are you going to do Die Hard? (laughs) And don't you know Die Hard's a Christmas movie? So, at the risk of the most controversial Christmas sermon ever. For those that have asked, you're welcome. Please look at the screens. We're going to watch a trailer. So before I get all the emails, um, I don't condone violence. I don't condone excessive smoking. And I did have to edit a heap of swearing out of that trailer. Let me, let me tell you a little bit if you still don't understand why... I might do stuff like this. Let me give you a little percent, like just a little snapshot. I posted that I was going to preach on this this week and on Facebook, can you imagine the amount of interaction I have with the world around I'm preaching something this week? Not much. I get a like from one of you guys and my mum because she's proud of me. I got comment after comment after comment. All day yesterday, people talking about what I was going to preach on in church, people that don't go to church. So it's a little evangelical, it's a little fun, and there is some things in this that do speak about culture, and if you're still unhappy about that, um, that's okay, you're allowed to be. I was unsure. My kids, my Ari, I showed Ari the trailer this morning, she goes, you're not going to preach on that today, Dad. Can you go back to preaching on shalom, she said. Peace. So I said, oh, okay. Well, so we'll see, but we've got carols next week so we can forget all about it if we need to, but... Let me tell you the story. Die Hard is an action movie where John McClane, a New York police officer, visits his wife, yeah, sorry, Holly, and things are a bit tense with her uh, because they've both moved. She's moved for work. He's still a New York cop at her company's Christmas party in Los Angeles. The party's taken over by terrorists led by Hans Gruber, who intends to steal money from the building's vault. McLean, separated from the group, covertly combats the terrorists from inside the building, trying to save the hostages and stop Gruber. He communicates with an LA police officer, Al, for outside support. The film is known for intense action, clever strategies by McLean, and is a blend of suspense and humour. And we've been talking this Advent season about the unholy Advent themes. You would see our normal themes for Advent. For the last 2,000 years, churches have celebrated hope, peace, joy, and love. And we've tried to stick to that over the last few weeks. We've been speaking about hope the first week, which I think this world's turned into complaining. We no longer hope for something. We complain about what's coming. Or peace. We no longer have peace. We compare with our neighbours. And today was going to be joy. 
robbing joy, missing out on joy because we are so obsessed with consuming. And I was going to talk about consumerism and our culture and how it robs our joy. Uh, But I speak a lot about our culture. I think I've spoke on that before. I speak a lot about what our culture thinks. And today I wanted to go on a different track. I'll still talk about that, but down a different pathway. See, it's more than culture. It's more than culture accidentally preaching these things. This morning, I want to talk about the fact that there is systematically something that wants to rob us of these things, not just at Christmas. There's something that wants to destroy and kill. It's not by accident. It's not just a cultural event. There is a real enemy. And sometimes we can kind of ignore that or sometimes not talk about that enough. And today I just wanted to speak about that today so we could name it and actively be against it this Christmas. Is that all right? Spoiler alert, the enemy is not Hans Gruber. He's the enemy in this film though. And I think he's an interesting villain in this film because he's so intelligent. He has influence over an army of men. He's planned this robbery. He has designed this break into the absolute detail. He's deliberate. He's manipulative. He's calculated. And he has no regard for human life. Even his own teammates. He doesn't care. He's about him and seeking to destroy. In fact, once he's robbed the money, he he just wants to destroy the whole building. He's just there to kill and destroy and rob. It reminds me of a verse in John 10 when Jesus talks about the thief. He says, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. Yet Jesus says, I've come that they may have life and have it to the full. Jesus articulating this enemy. He's talking about in that passage, to give it context, about protecting the sheep and being a good shepherd. And he mentions this thief. Someone who actually is intending to bring the whole thing down. To take away life that Jesus wants to give you. This is not a one-off theme in the Bible. This is not the first time this thief has been spoken about in the Bible. I've been obsessed with this 19-part series that Bible Project has been releasing the last few weeks. Or 19 weeks. Where they've articulated, I'm going to talk a little bit about this today they talk about what they call the chaos dragon. I'll say that again. They talk about what they call the chaos dragon. This, this entity, this theme, this idea right through the scripture. I'm not talking about an actual mythical dragon. I'm talking about this theme that goes right through the Bible. They nearly go through every single book. I encourage you to have a listen. 19 weeks talking about this theme of this dragon. An opposing force that exists that opposes creation. And I love something they said. They said, this dragon doesn't rival God. They said, it's not God's enemy. And I thought, that's interesting. They said, it hates God, but God has no rival. We're not worried that God's going to be taken over or taken or, 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 or being beaten. We're not worried about that. He's God. God doesn't hate what this rival does but this thing is the rival of creation so the moment god's creativity the moment god's goodness the moment god's life exists 
There it is in the Bible, ready to rob the joy, rob the peace, rob the hope, rob God's love. It starts with, in Genesis, it actually talks about the chaos waters. In the creation story, it says God brings order to chaos. Then what happens? He creates something that is good and beautiful. And what turns up immediately after he says, hey, this is good? A serpent. All the characteristics of this dragon, of this enemy, of this rival to creation. I chose that because I just like the way it personifies, shows that this is an enemy. It's quite scary. It's quite confronting. Again, this motif, this theme, this idea is talked about when the Pharaoh turns up in Egypt. When Goliath turns up, it talks about his shield having scales. It hints at him being influenced by this dragon. Babylon, the city, the kings, all the prophecies in Daniel talk about dragons. We know Revelation talks about dragons. Even Herod, some of the ways it describes it, to link it back to the Bible story. We talked about him last week, a man that's not at peace and lets himself be influenced by this and ends up, goes from, hey, I'm a little bit worried I won't be king anymore, to killing babies. That's the escalation of the dragon. I don't know about you, I just found that language helpful. If you're sitting there going, is he talking about Satan or the devil? Yes, I am, absolutely. But I thought this morning it's just a bit more helpful. Sometimes we've cartoonified. Sometimes we've added so much language around the devil and a pitchfork and Satan that we almost have watered it down. I'm not saying those words aren't helpful, but I found renewed language around dragon, just an idea that there is this Leviathan is another way, this snake that is our enemy that wants to rob, kill and destroy. And so I found that helpful. I hope you find it. I've just found that imagery helpful for my mind, that there's a chaos dragon that seeks chaos destruction. I'm not talking about a fairy tale dragon. I'm giving you a description that the biblical users use right through the Bible. Why I bring this up this week is as I was watching Die Hard, as I was praying through this, I thought, Steve, this, these things I showed you before, the cultural um, unholy advent themes is more than just an accident. It's more than culture just forgetting about God. There is a real enemy. There is a real plan to rob you of hope, of peace, of joy, and of love. And it's good to acknowledge that. Especially as we lead into Christmas, and especially as we lead into the new year. There is a real enemy. Before I get into how we should defend ourselves this Christmas, I want to just talk about this guy, John McLean. John McLean. I like some similarities here, because I wanted to start with this. It's important to know as I talk about the enemy, the dragon, Satan, the devil, and his dark dominion, it's important that you know this above anything else. Jesus is one. 
Jesus won the war. We're still in battle. We're in this weed in between. But he's defeated. It's secured. We've won if we're in Jesus. So this is not a fearful sermon. In fact, not unlike John McLean coming to his wife's Christmas party, I find it funny that John is not actually caught up in the hostage situation. But he's also not outside with the police. It's like he's come into the building amongst us and rescued us. Not unlike Jesus, who didn't stay in heaven, didn't let this enemy destroy creation, didn't watch from the outside with walkie-talkies going, this is pretty bad, talking to the angels, hey, it looks really bad down there, they look like they're having a rough time. He came down and rescued us, ransomed us, it says in the Bible, rescued us, paid our ransom. We were hostage to this dragon. He freed us. And I wrote this. And he died harder than anyone who has ever died and saved us from the enemy, amen? We do not have to live under the dragon's influence. We as Christians can live in a different way. So here's three ways we can live in the way of Jesus this Christmas and not in the way of the dragon. Not letting him steal your joy, your hope, your peace, your love. Protecting our joy. I've called this message today. First way the dragon wants to take and rob you is this. The dragon wants to rob and destroy us spiritually. Love nothing more than to rob and destroy you spiritually. The world, especially in the West, we don't like to admit there's spiritual influence. We kind of push it down. We don't like to talk about it. Do you know you fly out of Australia? Most, if you're missionaries who've been on a mission trip, you'll know this. You, but or if you've been on a holiday overseas, you fly out of, say, I went to Bali on my honeymoon. Incense out of the front of every single store. It's just a given that there's a spiritual realm. It's not even a debatable thing. You go over to Africa and you hear stories of people being raised from the dead. You hear stories of dark influence over people, of these warlords doing things that cannot be explained. It's not a debate. It's just a given there's a spiritual realm. We come back to the West and we're probably, well, we are, we're all too busy. Why would the devil reveal himself? That'd be the worst plan ever. We're so distracted. We don't think spiritually. We think materialistically. I love the quote, the greatest trick the devil ever played was convincing us the world that he does not exist. He's not going to manifest because what do you think? If there's a Satan, if there's a devil, there's a dragon, what is there probably going to be on the other side? There's a God. But he still wants to rob us and destroy us spiritually. And I think in the West he has done, unfortunately, a good job. I hate using the word good but he's done a job at it. But still we need to understand this. We have counsellors for every aspect of life now. We have medication for everything. Now, and these are good things. We even no longer medicate for illness anymore, but also productivity. So we used to medicate for illness. Now we're, we're advanced. We medicate for productivity to be better than just normal. Again, not a bad thing. But our cultural pursuit of optimization and achievement and status and things, it's so consuming. 
Again, this isn't bad. Seeking professional help is good. But it's not working holistically, is it? No matter all the advances in every field, our world is still very broken. Would anyone disagree with me? I love the way my boss's boss said it in chaplaincy. I asked her, uh, some of you may know, I do two days a week as Griffith University's chaplain. And I said to my boss's boss, I did know her from a previous job, I said, why, why has a secular university got a chaplain? I was hoping that question wouldn't make her question it too much and I'd lose my job. But I was actually curious, why have you got a chaplain? She goes, well, Steve, this is a, not a Christian. Even she can see this in this season. She goes, well, Steve, we have the mind, we have the body. What about the soul? This is someone that's not going to church, but she can see. It's so dark these times. She's like, our students need a chaplain. So she fought for funding for a Griffith University paid chaplain. Our world is starting to see that with all our advancements, we still have a soul. We ignore the spiritual aspect, at least I do all the time, this attack of reality. It's funny, in the movie, they're all having this Christmas party. They're all pretty drunk. One person opens a door and there's a couple people in there hooking up, two people in there. They're all distracted by material, they're distracted by the decorations, the fanfare, they're just distracted. Meanwhile, this whole army of men with guns creep into the building. And when they call the police, the police don't believe them. They're like, no, not in that building. Not in, not in our, not in that, no, no way. Not tonight, not around Christmas. Just so distracted, yet the enemy slithers in. If we're not aware that the enemy wants to rob and destroy you spiritually, we won't even be looking for it. We'll self-medicate if we need to. We'll be drinking more, gambling, looking for something to itch, scratch that itch, instead of realising maybe we've been robbed and destroyed spiritually. So don't make it easy for the enemy this Christmas. Here's my advice based on Die Hard. <laughs> but more importantly, the Bible. We fight this with prayer, thanksgiving, and with the truth of the word. Amen? Let me ask you honest questions to reflect on yourself. Have you prayed for this Christmas? Have you prayed? And again, it's not a guilt thing. Have you, have you, have you prayed for Christmas? Have you prayed for your Christmas gatherings, whether it's the church one, work parties? Have you prayed for when, any time you're gathering, have you prayed? Again, if you're sitting there going, no, I haven't, I'm not having a dig at you, just ask yourself, am I investing into what is spiritual? Am I understanding? Have you prayed for who you could tell about Jesus this Christmas? Have you honestly sat there and said, God, you are doing your thing. Let me talk to someone about Jesus this Christmas. Have you done that? Have you prayed for protection against the over-consumeristic and materialism of this season? God, don't let me be distracted by the bright lights. I loved how Lynn talked about it. It's a bit too much. We need to pray against that. It's a bit too much sometimes. It's a bit too much. The ads, the commercials, the... Yeah, the, I don't know. I always think of that Coke ad for some reason for Christmas. One of the best ads. Coke bring out the best ads. But it's Coke. 
but somehow you feel like my Christmas won't be complete without a can of Coca-Cola. It's powerful. It's funny, but powerful. Imagine instead. And you don't need John McLean. I'm saying you need the inside guy that is the Holy Spirit. You need to be praying for protection. You need to be praying to see what is spiritual. You need to be praying against these things. And the other thing we need to do is thanksgiving. You need to be thankful. It's hard to want more when you're saying, God, what I've got right now, I'm really thankful for. Every single letter to the church starts and ends with thanksgiving, thanksgiving, thanksgiving. Do you think they mean it if they start and end with it? Nearly every letter in the New Testament Thanksgiving, thanksgiving, thankful for what you're doing, thankful for what God's doing. Wake up in the morning, thank you, God, for what you're doing in my life. Thank you for what I've got today, even if it feels like not a much. I appreciate what I've got. That'll help you not consume more, drink more, destroy more, lust more. Actually thankful for what I have, my Jesus, my friends, my family, creation. Not today, dragon. This is not good advice I'm giving you this morning. I'm telling encouraging you not to be robbed this Christmas. Encouraging not to let next year be destroyed by these things. In Ephesians 6, 12, it says, For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers and authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. I'm not going to go into this today. I did a whole series on this, and I know... Our old pastor, Neil, used to do a great series on this as well. I won't go into this today, but can I encourage you a bit of Bible study over this season? Go into Ephesians 6 and look at this. Um, it's the armour. It's equipping yourself. I liken to, in one part in the movie, it gets really interesting when John McCain, John McClane goes from a handgun and he finds an, a rifle. He upgrades. If you want to upgrade yourself this Christmas, pray for the armour of God. Again, I'm not going to go right into this right now, but please have a look, read through this in your quiet time. You equip yourself against the enemy who wants to rob and destroy. We've got like the helmet of salvation, the breastplate of righteousness, the sword of the spirit, the word of God, the shoes of the gospel of priests. We're bringing peace. We're practicing priests. A shield of faith, a belt of truth. Put on the whole armor. Equip yourself because there's a very real enemy. And I think our world knows this more than ever. It's a very real enemy. Number two. The dragon tries to rob and destroy us relationally. The dragon has a field day in our modern consumeristic age of niche bubbles. We've got all these little bubbles. I was even hearing, speaking about movies, I was hearing a documentary recently that said, we don't even, like Marvel and Star Wars may be the last few, and even they're broken, where the whole, everyone would watch something. A common, like even entertainment experience. We don't even have that anymore, thanks to YouTube. We've all got our niche bubbles. And we're not great as a planet talking to other people that don't live in our bubble. If you don't believe me, go to Facebook, go to any post ever and look in the comment section and tell me we're great with chatting about different opinions because we're not. We're in these bubbles and we clash. 
in churches are the same. We can give up on churches. The amount of people that give up on churches over a secondary disagreement, a taste in music, or I just even simply, I didn't really like that. Again, I've got, it's not just, I'm not just talking about here, I'm talking about churches all around. You hear this in the West. I didn't really like that, so I left. Or I disagreed with someone about something small, so uh, I left. I can't believe the pastor preached on Die Hard, so I left. That might be one this morning. Hopefully not. Because I'm not sure either the pastor should have prayed. Oh, Die Hard, I'm still praying through it. We can be annoyed together. Dragon must love it as we point at each other, break down relationship. That's not the answer. God says that the enemy is not each other but we get tricked into thinking it's each other. Can the dragon use people? Absolutely. But they're not the enemy. We're all broken. In fact, the Bible, again, nearly every New Testament book doubles down the other way and says, no, it's about unity. It's about pushing in. It's about getting deeper with each other. It's about getting past surface level interests and getting deeper and supporting and keeping each other, each, encouraging each other, keep each other accountable so we can fight it like that church with encouragement and accountability. Don't tear each other down because we're different. I saw this quote from a pastor this week. I really, really like it. Richard Vialis, he's got a he's pastor in the States. He says, in my role as a pastor, I'm not trying to get everyone to agree on everything. So much as I'm attempting to create environments where our disagreements don't automatically become causes for disunity. Amen. We are allowed to disagree. If I go favourite colour on the count of three, and we go one, two. Yeah, exactly. Don't leave this church. Your, your difference is what the body is made up of. Double down. So you disagree with someone. Then the cross, salvation, forgiveness, Jesus' power says, let's work through that. Let's heal that. Sometimes you can't. Sometimes you do have to wipe the dust off your feet. I get that. But I think in modern culture, we don't even try. Forgive, heal, you're all broken. We're on the same boat. We've been saved by Christ. So get someone to keep you accountable. I'm not going to go around small tables today. You've heard that pitch. And we're going to double down next year on our small groups. Why? Because accountability and encouragement is at the root of the church. Find people. In, in, in Die Hard, it's interesting he has this cop on the outside, this beat cop that's been beat down, this guy, and they, they communicate. He has encouragement, keeps him going. At one point, he goes, keep going, keep going. No one else is listening. No one else is going to help. The FBI don't get it. The CI don't believe you. But he was out there encouraging him. Let's be that for each other. I get the dragon can use people. In the movie as well, there's a guy that's flirting with John's wife at the Christmas party. And the second they're under siege, under hostage, he goes, oh, I can tell you who the guy is. It's her husband. He rats them out. People do horrible things when they're broken, when they're influenced by the dragon. But they're not our enemy. Church, I was going to say we can be better than that. We can't. Jesus is better than that. And we can lean into him and he can help us. Find someone that's championing you in this church and champion them. Final one this morning. 
to not let the dragon rob you of the joy this Christmas is the dragon tries to rob and destroy us using you. Or if that's too attackive, me. We don't like to, this one. One of the most interesting points that I've learned from this dragon series by the Bible Project is after the serpent tempts Adam and Eve and destroys creation, what's the next thing that happens? Cain and Abel. There's no serpent needed. Cain kills his brother. Why? Because he's jealous. I think all those unholy advent, he's comparing, he's competitive, he complains, he's critical. And although kill doesn't start with C, he kills his brother. He didn't need a dragon. The dragon was influencing within the sin. Sometimes we're looking for demons under every rock. I love, I heard a quote recently, there's a few of them, but sometimes we need to just reflect on ourselves as well. Are we bringing chaos into the situation? Again, I'm not talking about you specifically, I'm talking about me. I've had one of those weeks, I must confess, I've had one of those weeks where I haven't been the most joyful. The joy, the dragon has been trying. Some of it's been me, some have been circumstances. There were funerals, there was, there was just a big week. Not complaining, it's just I had to fight for the joy. I'm still fighting today for the joy. I understand. John McLean may be the toughest guy at the party. Almost ever. He's almost indestructible. His wife may be the second in charge of the massive company. But both of them are destroying their marriage in this movie due to ego, workaholic and lust. Mrs. McLean is entertaining a relationship with a colleague. And John, every girl that walks past in the movie, John has a quick look. They don't need terrorists to destroy their marriage. In fact, the terrorists, if nothing else, bring them back together by the end. They're doing it themselves. The dragon sometimes is within. And so how do we beat that? Well, we fight this, church, with repentance and worship. I was going to say obedience, but worship and obedience are very similar. Worship is what we just did sing, but that's about 1% of what worship is. Worship is our response to the salvation of God. And so when you go and act and obey, you are worshipping, offering your bodies as living sacrifices. And so you say, hey, if you're John McLean, you say, hey, this lust thing is ruining my marriage. I'm sorry, God, get the dragon out of me. And he does, and we worship. As Second Peter says, and we put effort in. To walk in the ways of Jesus, powered by Jesus, under his salvation, in worship. Repentance and worship. Maybe it's you looking over at the neighbours going, gee, they have a lot this Christmas. Maybe it's you looking at the ads going, I wish I had more this Christmas. Maybe it's you trying to self-medicate because it's a dark and it's, it can be gloomy spiritually and so you're distracting yourself with alcohol, porn, or just online shopping, whatever. I don't know what your vice is. Let's call the dragon out, not just shrug our shoulders and say, 
well, it's just a bit of a busy season. And then follow up. Don't treat it like a Facebook post, something we just say this morning, and then go, well, that's done. Let's act on it. Don't do it because Pastor Steve said it. Do it because you don't want the peace, the joy, the hope, and the love to be robbed from you this Christmas in 2024. Amen? We don't want the enemy to win, especially when we've already won, especially when Jesus has already won, and we can ask him to help us destroy and kick the dragon out of our life this Christmas. I'm going to pray. I want to sing one more song. And then, um, yeah, um, just thinking through and looking at time. We, we, if you'd like to repent this morning, um, you don't have to confess to me, you can. Um, but if you'd like to just come down for prayer, we would love to pray for you this morning as we think about the way the dragon might be destroying us spiritually and we need to be lifted there. Or we think about how he's destroying us relationally and we need to be lifted there. Or you think we need to be, he's destroying us within. We've been un- unkind. We've been anxious. We've been greedy, self-destructive. Then if that's you, then, then come, and, come down for prayer during the last song. We'd love to pray for you. I'm going to ask Bev, if that's okay? Bev would love to pray for you. I'm going to pick on Graham. I feel like romper room when she's looking in the mirror. I see Bev, I see Bev. But Graham and Sarah, is that all right? So love you guys to pray. And maybe Anne and Wayne too in the middle here. We've got every row covered. Um, come on and see them and I'd love to pray for you. Let me, let me pray now though and the band's going to come up. Father God, there's a real enemy. It's not just a social thing. It's not just we're a bit lost. There's a real enemy. And like that image of the dragon or the Leviathan, it's just sifting through things, sneaking through things, Lord. In so many ways, we may have not even stopped and realized, hey, I've become pretty angry. (laughs) Or my relationship with this person's become pretty destructive. Or I've become pretty greedy. Or actually that thing that was just a little vice has actually become something I'm doing every night now, Lord. Father, let us confess. Let us worship. Let us confess and repent. And then let us rejoice. Find joy again. And worship you because you will win the battle. You have won the war. And we give it to you in Jesus' name. Amen.